This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. We have seen quite a run in our society here in the U.S. over the last two years of tension between the media and politicians, as well as the White House. The terms alternative facts or fake news have become more a part of our lexicon. A new book by longtime Capitol Hill journalist Bruce Bartlett looks at this trend. It is called The Truth Matters, a citizen's guide to separating facts from lies and stopping fake news in its tracks. Bruce has a very unique uh, viewpoint on this because not only has he been a journalist, but he's also somebody that has worked in the White House as well. And a privilege to have Bruce joining us right now. Mr. Bartlett, great to have you with us today. Great to be here. Thank you, sir. And, and I find that the interesting part of it, right off the bat, is that to a degree you've seen you've seen this from both sides. That's right. That's why I thought I'm I had something to offer uh, because I'm I, I'm not really, despite what you said, I'm I don't really consider myself to be a professional journalist. You know, syndicated columnists I don't really think count. Right. We don't do reporting, uh, but I have been a, a source for a great many stories, and so. I, I, I just thought I, I could talk about the news in a way that I think the average person can understand it, because most of the books that I've looked at uh, on a sort of a similar sort of topic uh, seem to be written for journalism students at universities right. rather than uh, the average person. Well, and seemingly that might be one of the uh, the greatest areas of interest right now, because obviously we know what's going on with some of the social media companies, and uh, obviously they are um, uh, they are on Capitol Hill right now dealing with uh, the issues of Russia involvement and the impact that it has on their entities as well. And so the impact on the citizen, I think, is maybe as important as anything right now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, it, it may be years before we get all the uh, the truth about this uh, Russian business, but I think it's interesting that uh, uh, organizations like Twitter and Facebook, uh, depending on the day, they're either media companies or they're not media companies, right. uh, depending on whether they're trying to cloak themselves in the First Amendment or, or not. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, the whole media landscape, uh, as you know, has changed very radically yes. in the last few years and i'm not sure if 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 uh, the, the readers or uh, journalists have quite figured out what's going on. But it feels like that, you know, whatever has happened, uh, as you mentioned, in the last few years, that to a degree, what happens in Washington and on Capitol Hill has been the driving force behind all of this. Well, I think for underlying economics probably had more to do with okay. it. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the the decline of print newspapers uh, because of the Internet, uh, the effect of 24-hour cable, uh, the effect of uh, talk radio, things of this sort, I think, were not really, uh, unless you want to go back to getting rid of, rid of the Fairness Doctrine in 19-whatever-it-was-87, yeah. because that really opened the door to talk radio and Rush Limbaugh's success, I think, led directly to the creation of Fox News, which I think begat a, a whole media complex 
uh, that now uh, bedevils us. So what do you see as, as the state of the media right now and, and where it's kind of headed? Because as you mentioned, and, and you know, I'm 51 years of age, I, I go back to, you know, the days of the, uh, the 70s, you know, with the uh, the fact that the local newscast had such an important impact on people. And obviously, even that has lost uh, some of its importance. So what do you see the state of the media now and, and potentially where we're heading, either better or worse? Well, I'm somewhat hopeful. Uh, there was some news out this morning that in the last quarter, uh, the New York Times picked up uh, an additional 160,000 online subscribers. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm becoming more and more confident that at least uh, the qual- a few quality publications like the Times uh, will be able to survive even if they decide to eliminate their print edition uh, altogether. And there was also a report in uh, Politico a week or so back that uh, the millennials have uh, suddenly decided that they like print newspapers. You know, they often are are somewhat nostalgic for the earlier era. You know, they've they've turned to vinyl records, for example. And and I think they kind of like the idea of uh, print newspapers. It's like, uh, as somebody once said to me, Somebody went on to the Internet, found all the stories that interest me, and printed them out for me. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking with Bruce Bartlett, who is the author of the book, The Truth Matters. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You start out the book with with a very interesting topic. Uh, And and for people that haven't picked up the book, uh, the first chapter of the book is why the traditional media no longer serves our needs. And, and I'll let you go deeper into that because it, it it is amazing to see, again, what the media is now and what it was even, say, 20 years ago. Well, I think what we've lost is, that we had at one time not too many years ago is a common understanding of the basic facts. Uh, of whatever story is 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 in the news that particular day, that is, uh, you know, you're old enough to remember when there were just the three uh, major network yep. broadcasts in the evening, yeah. 30 minutes apiece. Uh, you could subscribe to any major newspaper, any major city newspaper, and be and get a reasonably good. Uh, coverage of the basic news, whether it was the Vietnam War or Watergate or the other big stories of that era. But the problem today is people kind of live in what what are sometimes called silos, where they they, uh, get all of their information from one uh, point of view. Uh, You know, you, you watch only Fox News. You listen only to conservative talk radio. You read only Breitbart and some of the other uh, uh, conservative uh, websites. Sure. And, and, and that's the, the only information you get. And unfortunately, these sites are, are quite biased. They leave the, the bias, uh, a big part of the bias is simply what they choose not to cover. Uh, they, so there's lots of stories that you simply wouldn't even know about if you got all your information from those sources. And to be sure, there are, are you could do the same thing on the progressive side if that's what you choose to do. Uh, but I think that uh, it, there's now more ignorance uh, about things that people really should know about. 
There's also the uh, something that I've I've mentioned a couple of times when when talking about uh, journalism and reporting in general is that in this digital age that we're in, there is an even greater rush to report on something. And that at times not, you know, universally, but at times has led to issues in terms of the reporting, but the facts behind the reporting as well. How do you see that as an impact in this whole process as well? Oh, that's a a very, very serious problem. Uh, the, the urge to to uh, post first and ask questions later is enormous uh, among among both the media and the general public. I mean, you know, let's face it, we're all guilty of at one time or another of you know linking on Facebook or Twitter to some story that sounded really good be, be, just because it had a, a an interesting headline, and maybe we didn't even bother to to read the story itself before yeah. posting. And uh, the same temptation uh, arises in the media. And, and unfortunately, what this creates is a race to the bottom, where if you're a responsible journalist who says, hey, let's wait a second, let's double-check these facts, let's make sure this isn't something made up out of whole cloth or uh, Russian propaganda or just uh, a satire uh, that, 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 that maybe sounds too good to be true, you know, uh, these are the people that unfortunately lose the clicks and lose uh, the the advertising that goes with clicks because the advertisers don't care, mm-hmm. you know, whether the person who read that story or saw and saw that advertisement uh, was reading something completely nonsensical or or a very well reported, well edited. Uh, article. Uh, all they care about is quantity, not quality. You also spent some time in this book uh, talking about libraries, uh, which, uh, if if you look at the state of libraries now, I think to a degree they are unfortunately leaning more towards the the path that print journalism has unfortunately gone down uh, in the last few years. In that they aren't used as much as they were twenty or thirty years ago. And my concern is that they could also kind of similarly become a line item that can be erased uh, in budgets of, of cities around the U.S. Uh, that's quite true, but I think part of the problem is that the libraries themselves don't uh, advertise very well right. some of the resources that they have added in recent years. For example, I mean, I live in Fairfax County, Virginia, and if you go to the Fairfax County uh, Library website and put in your uh, library card number, uh, which, of course, library cards are free, you have access to many powerful uh, search engines and, and resources. Uh, I can go to a website called ProQuest that gives me free access to the New York Times and the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and th- literally thousands of other publications that you would otherwise have to pay a great deal of money to have access mm-hmm. to, things that would never, ever turn up in a Google search. And so this is a very, very powerful resource for people with low incomes who would like to have access to a quality news source, uh, but they simply can't afford it. I mean, the New York Times costs $15 a month. The Wall Street Journal, I think, is $400 a year. I'm not sure what the Post charges. But, uh, I mean, these are resources, these are costs that are out of uh, the range of, of a great many people, but they can get them for free if they know where to look. But it, I guess then to a degree, uh, we've almost kind of gotten into the realm where the smartphone in, in this realm is almost a crutch. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's simply a tool. I right. wouldn't go so far as to call it a crutch. Okay. Uh, there's no reason to... Uh, uh, well, I, and I say that because, you know, instead of people actually going to the library and sitting down and, and reading the books, they're more, uh, more willing to just say, oh, well, you know, I'll just look for it on my smartphone. Well, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that as okay. long as people uh, are, are doing it responsibly. And that's okay. one of the things that I tried to teach people in the book, uh, because I think there's a great deal more uh, uh, information out there than, are, uh, than people realize if they just know where to look. And I, I try to talk about some of the sources that I use personally and, and rely upon. Uh, for example, the Congressional Research Service puts out really excellent reports about any issue uh, in front of the Congress, and they're written at, at you know, not, not the, uh, a third-grade level, but, uh, you know, a, a college student could easily understand uh, these, these uh, studies, and, uh, and I think people ought to be more aware of them. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, we're talking with Bruce Bartlett, who is the author of the book, The Truth Matters, A Citizen's Guide to Separating Facts from Lies and Stopping Fake News in Its Tract. Tracks. I, I mentioned the, the social media companies at, at the outset here. Uh how do you think their path is going to have to change uh, in the uh, in the coming years because of all that they have had to be involved with, especially in the recent months? Well, I think clearly they need to do a vastly better job of weeding out uh, uh, fake accounts. Uh, I mean, just recently I wrote something and that got me, uh, you know, attacked by uh, Russian bots. And, and I dealt with it by systematically blocking every single one on both Twitter and Facebook. Right. But in the process, I learned a lot because you have to go to their, their account page in order to, to block them. And you, yeah. you, you begin to learn certain <laughs> uh, characteristics that appear to be in common, such as nothing that's really personal information, small number of followers, but vast numbers of posts. You know, it's not uncommon for these bots. You go to a Twitter feed, they'll have a thousand followers and, you know, a million uh, posts. You know, so clearly these things are automated. Nobody is sitting there making, doing these things. And, and I, I don't think it's that hard. I just think that uh, the media companies don't want to do it. Uh, much of the, of what is going on is occurring at, at the national level, but I'd like to get your impact. I mean, the newspaper industry is one thing, but when you're talking about the local news and how it has been impacted by this, by you know what's been going on with the, the networks and the impact of that, what do you see as the future of, of the local news? It's very hard to say, uh, but... Uh... Uh, I think there are some things bubbling around uh, under the surface. For example, my wife and I subscribe to something called Nextdoor.com, which gives us hyper-local information about what's going on in our neighborhood. Right. This wouldn't be considered a news source uh, necessarily, but I get a lot of news from it right. about things that are happening literally in my neighborhood. And, uh, and so I, I think there's... I think that will survive because people need it. They want it. They're willing to pay for it. Uh, I'm more concerned about things like investigative reporting at the national level where you have to take, you know, highly paid journalists, maybe a whole team of them, and maybe give them a whole year yeah. to dig into a story 
that that might you know only get have a few days of play. I don't know. Uh, you also take time in the book to to talk about academic sources, which is uh, something that that we use quite a bit on, on this show. People from here at the University of Pennsylvania, the Wharton School, and and other institutions as well. Uh, it, just uh, give us your thoughts on the importance of, of academic sources. Well, I like them personally, uh, but because uh, I think they're more dependable. Uh, academics have reputations that they have to protect. Uh, they so they can't go around spouting complete nonsense, although obviously some do. Right. And uh, and of course, uh, any publications in in academic journals have to be where what's called peer reviewed, which means that other peers in their field uh, have to sign off and say, well, this meets the the minimum requirements of uh, uh, technical expertise, uh, statistical methodology, or whatever. Uh, else is in, involved, and and I find that useful. And also, Google Scholar is just a, an enormously powerful search engine right. that will take you to any article that's ever been published in any academic journal. And at, at least ninety percent of the time, you can get a summary, an executive summary that that tells you as much as you probably need to know, unless you're, you know, an academic yourself. That will at least give you some idea of what. Uh, is going on uh, of what experts in the field really think. 844-942-7866 is the number. If you'd like to join in with your comments, we go to the phones out in Illinois. Faiza is on the line. Go ahead. Hi. Yes, I'm actually a librarian, and I wanted to say thank you for the plug for how we sort of had to reinvent ourselves, and a lot of that can be done on a smartphone. But I wanted to ask, um, even I struggle with finding a resource for young adults and preteens. Is there a one recommendation that you would give for daily news, uh, a source for people who have younger people um, that maybe they can use as conversation starters and mm. a source that they wouldn't have to be afraid for those people to, to the kids to access on their own? Well, I, I wish my uh, wife was standing next to me uh, to answer this question for you. She taught uh, sixth grade or eighth grade uh, English for 17 years, and she probably knows exactly uh, what to do for that group of people. I'm afraid that's a little out of my field. I, 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 I would be happy to, to tweet it or, 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 or call attention to such a source if I knew one. Faiza, thank you very much for the call. Greatly appreciate it. Just a couple of minutes left, Bruce, and, and there would be so much more I could talk to you about. So uh, when you're t in this kind of realm, what should people be looking for uh, in terms of, as you mentioned, all of these different kind of sources that are out there that may or may not be, uh, you know, you could put uh, some real substance behind? Well, I think you, uh, you have to follow certain, you know, rules that I think people already know. They just have to be conscious of them. One is a story that's too good to be true probably isn't true. Uh, try to double-check things. If, if nobody else is reporting something that, that you, you like because it uh, uh, scores points for your side, you know, double-check it first. You can do that very easily using uh, search engines. And yeah. if nobody else is mentioning the story, maybe it's a bogus story. And, uh, you know, tr try to force yourself to uh, have a broad input of of sources 
uh, read a few things on the other side. Uh, you know, get out of your your silo or or your echo chamber. Uh, I think yeah. you'll benefit from that. Quickly, uh, you also uh, delve uh, in economics quite a bit, and uh, the details of the uh, the GOP tax plan are coming out. Uh, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to start to take a look at what is apparently being proposed. Any comments on that? Uh, I've only uh, seen very sketchy reports. Uh, personally, uh, this actually relates to our conversation. I go to an organization called the Tax Policy Center, as yep. the most authoritative source for analysis of tax policy. Great to have you with us, uh, Bruce. Uh, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. All the best. The book, by the way, is uh, it's great because it truly is a handy book. It's something that you can uh, really hold in the palm of your hand. You can almost put it in your back pocket uh, if you'd like. The book is The Truth Matters. Uh, by Bruce Bartlett, A Citizen's Guide to Separating Facts from Lies and Stopping Fake News in Its Tracks. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.